an angle. We start from the origin. Okay? We always start from the origin. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Right here, zero, zero. I feel like they should just introduce like a whole new subject in that. So right now I'm looking at a, a crypto market for Shiba Inu coin. And I'm trying to learn how to read the market right now because I got like $100 in it. And it'd be cool if like I could learn this in class. Your mind to it, you really don't. You can really do it to be honest. Cause why but do me, we... I don't like math, so. Because why do we need to learn X, X, Y equals MX plus? And what is square plus? You definitely see, see those who perk up and who are ready and know what is going on. And you see those who come in and don't know what's going to happen during the day and kind of shut down just because they don't know what's going on. So what I've, what I've noticed is having something laid out to where they see what's going on so they can first identify if they know what it is or if it's going to be something they haven't seen before. And then that gives me a good indication of, okay, where are you at as a learner today? And pulling themselves out of that space and being like, I'm not a math learner, I'm not a math person, I don't like math, it's hard. But they're doing it in an informal space with one another and talking to me about it too without even recognizing themselves. I don't need to do it if it's not going to help me. If it's not benefiting the, um, what I'm going to do when I grow up, then I took me to learn about it. Because that's where all we need to do is know how to multiply, divide, and then count money. I feel like that's the only thing. Like, when I go in there, it's more so you got to learn. Because math is something where you actually, you're learning something new. Like, because you know, there's no basic knowledge on it like going forward. So like if say we're doing polynomials, that's what we just learned. As we go forward, I don't have any basic knowledge on what's next, you know, other than what's taught. So it's like, you go in there to learn. You want to go somewhere, they're having a party. This is where everybody's at, we have BC. Your friends having a party, inviting you to that party. Party somewhere here. Some people might be like, you know what, I'm going to use the GPS. And then that GPS try to put you on the freeway. Right? Takes you a long way to get here. You still start at the same point. You still got to the party. Took you longer to get there. Then the person who said, yo, I know these streets, man. I'm just going this way. We get to the same place. Does that make sense? So these are four terminal angles. This is Ryan. I'm here today uh, at the ECA, uh, the Early College Academy, to talk about identity in math classrooms and uh, with a really wonderful teacher, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, yeah, my name is Andrea Gwynn. I'm the math teacher here at the ECA, awesome. and I'm excited to be talking to you guys. Yeah, so how long have you been here? So this is my sixth year, like starting my sixth year, and awesome. I've been teaching at the ECA from the get-go. It's been it's a great spot. Love it. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and just dive right in. So this kind of month is about identity, and we wanted to talk specifically about what that looks and feels like in math classrooms. So give us your kind of lay of the land, if you could. Sure. So this, when you first asked me this question, Ryan, I was like, 
how to really pause on it. Like I remember driving home and just thinking about it. Because right. um, so much comes to mind. Identity is huge. And I think kind of that general sense of identity obviously plays into any classroom, like whether it's the teacher coming in, the student, and their, their identity, how they see themselves, how they portray themselves. That's obviously, obviously going to be there. I think what turns it into kind of, you know, specifically in the math classroom and identity in the math classroom is I always think about, like, how do students see themselves as mathematicians? Mm -hmm. Having my experience, you know, as a math teacher, being here at the ECA and talking to students, it's kind of floors me how many students come to, especially, I should say, high school students specifically, come to a math classroom and maybe even potentially a science or kind of just STEM related subject area with such a strong mindset or, you know, self-identity or as a mathematician already. And it's usually mm -hmm. almost always I'm good at math or I am bad at math. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm -hmm. There's kind of really no wiggle room. So that always kind of shocks me because I'm kind of like, where is that coming from? And it's, it's I've had some pause about it over the years. And I've talked to students a lot. We like every year I like to start and I do an assignment with them called like a mathography. Love that. Yeah, it's fun. I, lo I love them. <laughs> the kids are always like, what? We're writing. And I'm like, yeah, you guys, come on. Let's get to know each other. And um, it's one of my favorite things to do and to kind of start the year off. And I've done them in like halfway through the year, too. Just like, we're doing another one. We're yeah. taking a pause. We're talking about this. Right on. So many of them share with me just like, yeah, I hate math. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I, I like appreciate their honesty and their willingness to be vulnerable. Or, you know, some of them say, I love it. You know, I'm, I struggle with it sometimes, but I still really like it. And I like to talk to them about, like, how do you talk to math with your family? How, what's your experience been like? And sometimes I have found myself as a teacher and talking to students that I feel like, I feel like teachers play a really big role in students' own math identities mm -hmm. and their own kind of mindsets towards the subject area in general. Mm -hmm. I think about teacher expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the hard part thinking about that is knowing the statistics we have behind teacher expectations and how powerful they can be, but also how statistics, the math behind it, also shows that most teachers have lower expectations for students, BIPOC students, students of color. So that's kind of the part that makes me really think and really consider how, in my own classroom, how can I empower students to ha have a very strong, positive mathematical identity? You know, because it's not about being really good at math or being, it's just about seeing yourself as a mathematician. Mm. Knowing you have the potential and the talent, everyone does, to solve, problem solve and pattern recognition and explaining your thinking. Everyone can do that. It's just crazy to me the, the varying confidence levels that students come in with. And I feel like part of it is, a lot of it is not really their fault. It's just what they've experienced. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think this subject area has kind of a, that dark history too. It has also has a lot of, you know, um, like dense stereotypes that I feel like some students are aware of, maybe unconsciously too. Mm -hmm. You know, it has like a white dominated, very patriarchal history. Even though movements towards, you know, seeing and showcasing BIPOC individuals in STEM and, and like women in STEM, 
it's improved greatly and I love it. I'm here to here for it. And yet it's still kind of like this existing mark on the subject area. Yeah. So, wow, that was awesome. You yeah. Sorry. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> I just started going. Like really amazing things. Okay. So I'm going to ask, uh, I have a few follow-ups, but I want to okay. really start, first of all, like, so before we started the interview, we were talking and you shared that you had gotten a degree in mathematics first yep. and then gotten a then received a, a master's in teaching for math education or STEM education. What does mathematics mean to you or having, a, this is the first time I'm hearing this, a mathematical identity mm -hmm. mean to you? Um, you alluded to some of these things, I think, a little bit. But if you could speak a little bit more deeply about like what is a mathematics identity from your vantage point. It's a really good question. I think if I had to kind of speak to how I think about it. I think about it just as someone's ability to see themselves as a mathematician and how their relationship with math, where do their confidence levels lie in their ability to just interact with math even, not even like out here solving problems, but just interact with math and, you know, their beliefs behind it. Just their like, yeah, just like where they place themselves in this field. Because I think everyone everyone is here. Everyone belongs in this field. There's, it's not for certain people. Mm. You know, and like, I think it's just, the, you know, if you like give someone a problem and you say solve it, obviously some people are probably going to solve it faster. But it hasn't, I feel like that has nothing to do with it. And I, the other thing I would say like this, that really bothers me about this subject area is the fact that it's so often connected to or like overlapped with intelligence levels mm. that's just I hate that because I feel like that that's like a whole nother conversation too right like how do you define intelligence sure. it gets I bothers me when it's like oh you're good at math you know like just a blanket answer like that is just some people might argue like that kind of plays into a mathematics identity a little bit is maybe you're but I just feel like that's get it out of there it shouldn't doesn't belong there it's yeah I just I keep going back to like comfort yeah you know, I think you guys were, t I really liked the discussion about freedom in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of plays into a math identity is the freedom in the math classroom mm -hmm. a little bit. I was thinking about that a little more too. And also, Ryan, I was thinking about how, like, before school started, we did that, we did a circle here at the ECA and we just went around and talked about our own identities a little bit as educators and uh, leaders here. And... So we talked, that was one of the questions. And the other one was like, what do you pretend to show up to be as? Mm -hmm. And that one actually came to me pretty quickly because I was like, oh my God, I feel like sometimes I pretend to be the math teacher that's, that has to be all jazzed and excited about, you know, <laughs> factoring quadratic trinomials. Like, and <laughs> as much as I like solving those and doing those and teaching it, because I'm passionate, I'm so passionate about the subject area. I just feel like, Sometimes I think about how our state standards, Minnesota math standards, are just so bland and not necessarily what's right for our, for our kiddos. And, mm. you know, and I think that I'm just thinking about how that also, some people might say that plays into math and that your identity as a mathematician is your ability to solve these, like, mm -hmm. s specific problems that do show up on ECTs, that do show up on MCAs, yet... I just feel like it's more about 
the process of solving that stuff, the use, you know, exercising your brain, problem solving, pattern recognition, working together with other people, being able to describe your thinking. And you can do that with math in so many other meaningful ways too. Because I think, you know, what I have on the board right now, literally factoring a quadratic trinomial. Students, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of questions like, when am I ever going to need this? That's the classic, right? It's every day. And it's a great question. It's a G, it's great. They could, should totally ask, they should ask that all the time. You know, I love it. And sometimes there's the days where I feel like I have to put on a facade a little bit and be like, you know, it's great, you guys. Like, you, that's okay. You might not do this every day, but like, you know, if we're problem solving, because there is parts to it that I think are meaningful. I find myself questioning that a lot as a math teacher of like, why am I, I should have that, I should have that answer every day and feel excited about it and confident about it. And the students can see that. And it's because there are some lessons, I swear, where I'm so excited. Yeah. Like, and it feels like we're doing this for a purpose. There, Because there's so many ways that math can be connected to meaningful things for our students, meaningful concepts, and like uh, really applying the math. And that feels so good for them. I just did love it. They're like, oh, wow, we're actually using math to do something that's cool. Like, <laughs> it's, and it doesn't, you know, it happens. And like, there's ways to do that. But I feel like as a math teacher, and also maybe just because I feel like I'm still, I have a lot to learn. I'm not anywhere near the expert, but that's something that's hard, I think, in the math field, too. And that's, I think, Ryan, you kind of brought that up earlier about how a lot of math teachers, it's like, especially if we're talking about maybe a specific thing that's happening now in our world, in our community, with our students. We're like, how can, let's bring this into the classroom. Let's talk about this together. Social studies, English is like, Totally. We're on it. We, we can write about this. We can talk about it. We can do some history. And math is like, well, what are we going to do? You know? Right. So even though it might not just be this clear, like, oh, we can obviously talk about this now because this is going to relate. It's more like it's, it's just like hard to really put those two together. I think there's totally ways to do it. I think you can literally do it with everything. Yeah. I feel like there's some way I could figure out how to put factoring quadratic trinomials into something that's social justice focused and related and what we're trying to do as a district, but I just feel like sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I'm still battling with that every day as a, as a teacher. Yeah, it sounds like what you're describing is there's actually this tension between, you had mentioned the standards, and mm -hmm. I think well, along with that comes kind of the ways that math education is actually separate from the kind of like conceptual field of totally. mathematics, right? And so, like, because the way you're describing math, of like problem solving, working together, like, can you kind of embrace this process and enjoy it? Like, those were never things that at least I experienced in math class. It was always like, you got to get it done because you have 40 minutes to finish this test. Yeah. And so, suddenly, well, and that's where I feel like almost sometimes. Sorry to interrupt you, no, but like, yeah. as a teacher, if I do take that take a route of being very like slow and thoughtful about a process and that's kind of our lesson that's part of the goal and yeah. learning target am i is it almost like a disservice to students because of the fact that like these are the standards they're black and white they're here right now this is what i'm literally supposed to be teaching students mm -hmm. this is what they're going to see on the next state test they see mm -hmm. you know it's kind of it's this weird so that's where i feel like i have to fake it sometimes you know almost yeah. like even if you know that those standards are disservice broadly yeah. in the mathematics field, where, for example, like people who are doing high-level conceptual math that like are doing things like 
linear algebra or like those like designing their own proofs, things like that. Um, that these gatekeeping mechanisms, right, like calculus one or calculus two or even something like pre-calc, well, if you can't do these, then you don't get to go do all the fun stuff. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess how do you grapple with that, especially given all the things that you just talked about around mathematics identity and being a mathematician where it's like really it's like, like I had a friend who was like, so in love with math and he'd be like let's just go into the woods let's walk and let's see all these cool things and I was like oh my god math is actually like beautiful yeah but like math in the classroom kind of blows completely and also (laughs) Ryan I totally feel that and that's where it's like crazy to me because I do love this subject area yeah and I love teaching it but sometimes I just think about our my students who are asking me this question like when am I ever going to get used this and I'm just like and honestly sometimes I have answered the question which makes me a little sad as a teacher, but I just like, I was like, honestly, this is like, I'm teaching to you this because of the fact that if you ever do go on to college and take additional math courses, you you have to know this. Like, you know, this is like, I try to tell them more, it's like more metaphorical, like don't close the door when you don't have to, like keep the door open for yourself. You could always go and decide, you don't, if you don't want to take any more math classes after this class, you take algebra two, whatever in high school, that's okay. And if anything, that's kind of an exciting time because that might be like you might be doing the most like high level math you've ever you have, like this is this is cool then. No. I think it's cool at least. I I really do love and appreciate the challenge though of trying to combine something so raw and black and white and these math topics that you know are just I think I'm, I'm thinking about algebra two right now to be clear and like and how that can connect to like actual just applicable real-world situations that are meaningful to students. I really appreciate that challenge. It's something that's it's hard. I think a lot of math... I am not the only math teacher out here trying to do this. Like, right. everyone is like, who who's done anything? <laughs> who's figured this out? It's everywhere. But, like, I think that just going back to the math identity piece, too, that underlying is before we even try to get to that, I think the conf... Just building students... Helping students find their own positive form of a math identity in the classroom is number one. Like, you know, when students do graduate with us and move on to whatever is next in their life, it's not like that math identity just goes away. Like, it sticks with them. It just I just always try to remind myself, like, this isn't just, like, high school, four years, done, boom. This is going to follow you guys. And I just want them to just continue to build confidence and that comfort level and ability to just engage with math honestly yeah i love that so so you mentioned this thing called a mathography yeah can you say more i made that word up actually no i didn't i think i stole it from another my yeah yeah maybe give us a little bit of a description of it but then tell us a little bit more about like why are you using it what are the effects that you're seeing like yeah help us understand this thing because that's a pretty interesting idea yeah so i just i like to do it at the beginning of the year um, because obviously, usually there's a lot of new students. I don't know them, they don't know me. And obviously, we all know how important building relationships are. So this is something I like to start with because I don't feel like it's very intrusive. I have literally just been putting together questions that I like to ask students, and then I just keep adding to it every year, like the question list has gotten so long. And that's why I tell them, you guys, that's why we're, that's why we're calling it a mathography. We're here in math class. I'm your math teacher. <laughs> And naturally, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, and it's questions like, what's your relationship with math? How would you describe your relationship with math? Yeah. And 
you know, what has your math experience been like? And I, ta- I, ha- I also wrote my own mathography for them. So I'm like, if you want to know anything about me and my kind of history with math, because I do have my own story, it's what brought me here, here it is. So that's what I encourage them to start with, and then it just bridges into other parts of their life that they want to share with me, at least when we first meet each other. And that's why I kind of like doing it one more time in the like, second semester, mid-second semester, I would say, just to kind of see if anything's, where are we gone? You know, has anything changed in how they view themselves? Is there anything they want to share with me more because our relationships have grown? And, and, you know, just being totally realistic about the fact that I am identify as a white female educator, and most of my students identify as BIPOC or students of color. I think that's just a way that I can try continue to check my own bias, mm-hmm. is by just engaging with the kids and talking to them and listening. And reading, I guess. that's I like doing, I like that because it's a writing assignment. They are, what? We're writing? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's not going away, you guys. And that's a way that I get to engage with them through writing too sometimes, which isn't writing. always the case. So. Um, so. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time. Is there anything that you didn't get a chance to share that you're like, oh, I, I really want to say this? I think the only thing I try to check myself on a little bit is I do teach in an alternative school, right? And students who come to me have their own educational journey and stories for for why they're here, you know, there's it's not like they're just the school said go to the next school. The most of them have a purpose for why they came here. And I think that is a whole nother kind of little mixed mm-hmm. piece into what I try to do as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing I have to try to remind myself, like yeah. when I feel myself tr- just you know, my own biases of what education looks like. Right can be kind of just back to the general ed public education, but I'm like, that's not what I do here, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, can, I can appreciate that. I think I would push back on that idea more so in the sense that like, if you're dealing with the, like if your student population is the most marginalized, then mm-hmm. perhaps we have the most to learn from your experiences, right? Um, because you get to see all of the things that the system has done to further marginalize young people. So when it comes to a math classroom, rather than talking about, right, the middle, (laughs) uh, looking at the tails of that curve can actually be the most advantageous for us to understand what our practices are actually doing. So. Yeah, I appreciate that comment. For sure. (laughs) And I threw in the math stuff for you. Love it. Yeah, thank you so much for talking with us this morning. Uh, I know that this was maybe not what you had planned, but still very much appreciated. That's okay. I appreciate y'all coming, and obviously I love, I will talk about this forever. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> thank you. Yeah.